Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasida from the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my colleague and friend, Peter Bagshaw, GP and CCG Clinical Lead for Mental Health. Today, our title is Stuck in the Drama Triangle and How to Get Out of It, which might be a slightly intriguing um, title. Well, it's certainly something I'm not uh, an expert on at all, and I I suspect a lot lot of our listeners uh, uh, won't be familiar with it. So my question to you, Andrew, is what is the drama triangle? How do we get out of it? And why does it matter in terms of uh, our emotional well-being? So, So, Peter, the drama triangle is fascinating because we are all involved in it at times in our lives. Any relationship that is... um, at any way distorted or out of true where there's a power imbalance or where um, one of the parties feels um, disempowered, guilty, stuck, resentful, helpless, trapped, misunderstood, bewildered, controlled, abused or blaming or manipulated, then we're stuck in a drama triangle. And I suspect we've all had some of those feelings at times. So the word triangle suggests that there are three sides to it. So what, what are those three sides? Absolutely. There are three, three important corners. And I suppose it's to do with power. And we'll talk a little bit about transactional analysis in a minute, if we may. But um, the, the victim role um, is, is the powerless role. And then there are two powerful roles, one of which can be rescuer. Um, and out of balance, that, that becomes smother mother, which is not a gender issue. It's just the over-smothering, over-protective person. Um, and the other one is, is persecutor, which is uh, the, the shadow persecutor who's wanting to dominate or control the situation. And the word, the fact that you've introduced victim bothers me slightly because I see lots of people uh, in, in professionally and, and, of course, personally, who are victims and they're, they're, they're not choosing to be victims they're victims because really bad things have happened to them so is it worth trying to just tease that out a bit I'm, I'm glad you've asked that because words do change their meanings over the years and the decades and, and i think the word victim has taken on quite a lot of negative connection uh, and of course it is somebody who who is conquered it comes from the latin vinco i conquer i think or something like that our our spanish and italian listeners will be able to correct me i'm sure um but it's somebody who's pushed down and who therefore becomes subservient and and dominated uh and it's it's really meant as a non-judgmental term um in that we can unwillingly or unwittingly find ourselves a victim without realizing it. And I don't mean this has to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be an abuse thing. It doesn't have to be a, a, a major trauma thing. It's just that life has, has done something to us. And are these fixed terms? Because I, I can think of times where maybe I felt like a victim and maybe have felt like a rescuer. Maybe that's part of our professional role is to be rescuers, is it? Well, this is really interesting, Peter, because once you start in the drama triangle, um, you're in a dysfunctional relationship, and the roles that we play, victim, rescue, persecutor, can process around, can run around that, that cycle, that triangle, at lightning speed, and so we can rapidly change role. Uh, and so that's really quite interesting and curious. But we'll come back to that in a little bit, if we may. Could we just tease out where this comes from? Mm. 
And can I just, before you do that, can I just say this, this th three different parts to our personality that echoes with my, with my training back way back to Freud and his id, ego and super ego, and, and then sort of developing from that transactional analysis. Is, is that the root of this idea? Um, it, it certainly comes back to that. I, I understand it more from Eric Byrne, who um, elucidated tra transactional analysis in a fascinating book written in the 1960s called Games People Play. And I have to say, it's a bit chewy, um, but he said two things in it. One is that he said that we all like to be liked. We all like to be... Um, like puppies and kittens, we're domesticated from small childhood on by the giving or the withholding of, of attention, of, of kindness uh, or negativity. And um, I say that because most of us or many of us in lives are little pleasers because we're molded by, by kindness. But sometimes um, the kindness is withheld and we actually... Um, rebel and we we actually like a negative stroke and the reason for that is that it's actually more painful to be ignored than it is to be told off so firstly we like to be approved of secondly we actually like to be um, we, we don't like but we would rather be disapproved of and given some negative attention than actually ignored completely so Eric Burns said we all we all we all need hunger we all have a, an attention hunger we all need to be um, have attention coming towards us uh, and we play games in order to get it he also said that each of us can have three big personality types and the adult is the computer aspect of us uh, that understands all our experiences and acts upon them uh, and so that's a sort of a, 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 a sensible rational way of approaching life if we take the parent role we can, we can either be wise and guiding parent, or, excuse me, listeners, we can be dominating and um, bossy parent. Um, and so we can be in positive parent or negative parent. And if we take the child role, then the child can be in free and creative child or can be in whiny and manipulative child. Peter. And that would come back to Freud's idea, wouldn't, wouldn't it, where the, the superego is the parent, the ego is the adult, and the id is the child? That's quite right. And when it comes to interacting with other people, that's where the interesting thing comes. Um, an, an equal power relationship, so a, a relationship of equal power is adult-adult. If I take the child role to you now, Peter, and of course you're slightly older than me, you might sort of turn parent on me. Uh, and, um, you know, if I sort of try and be whiny and manipulative, you'll, you'll either try and soothe me or you'll, you'll tell me off, one of the two. Uh, and of course, we've all had that in the classroom. In our days, of course, I'm sure that doesn't happen in classrooms anymore. Uh, I'm sure the, the power is flatline. Or, of course, I, I might become a, a child. And, and so if you become uh, an uh, aggressive, wanting child, I might get more aggressive and, and things spiral out of control that way. That, that's the other reaction, isn't it? To... Um, that's true. Um, when it comes to but when it comes to personal interactions, it's about power. And on the whole, the drama triangle is about two people of unequal power. So in power terms, the child um, role gives away their power and so is called victim in inverted commas uh, and gives away their power in order to be 
keep themselves safe and to be looked after. The parental roles have the responsibility of using the power that's given to them by the child wisely. But if they go into negative, then they either can over-nurture, um, which is the rescuer role, or they can dominate, which is the persecutor role. And I kind of see that. And you were talking earlier about how these things can cycle and we can flip between one and, or the other. And I can see that we might want to be rescuers because that makes us feel good and we like to be thought of as helping others. I can see that we might want to be child and victim because that means we don't take responsibility for anything and it's somebody else's problem uh, to sort out. I can't see anybody choosing to think I'm going to be the persecutor. So what's going on inside that person's head when they adopt that role? Um, I think that we sometimes become angry at situations or frustrated at situations. And um, if we're professionals, we, we might lose our cool. But uh, in everyday life, um, uh, certainly in the playground um, and between small children, we see these roles of, of, of game playing, but it, it happens in relationships, it happens in close relationships, it, it happens um, tragically sometimes in, in close abusive relationships which have become abusive. Uh, and I think it, in a way, to say victim rescue or persecutor is to stigmatise people because nobody plays these, rules for, these roles for fun. Um, if our relationships are based on authenticity and honesty and respect, we are not in the drama triangle. But sometimes in families or in life, we, we have secrets or we have things that we can't disclose. Um, and once there are secrets and once there are um, withholding, then we start to be enticed into this, this problem. I think you've made a really important point there, Andrew, that um, although I, I, I like game theory, it's slight, the word slightly bothers me because it implies, A, that it, it's not serious, uh, and B, that it's something that we're doing consciously. And I, I don't think either of those things are true, are they? They're not at all. And they're, in fact, they're very, very serious. And Jill Edwards writes that dysfunctional relationships rotate constantly around the drama triangle, resulting in, and she's got a dozen things that it results in here. And I'd just like to share with us, pervasive sense of guilt and shame, lies, pretense, and unhealthy secrets, manipulation, control, and power, blaming and resentment, feelings of entitlement, misguided loyalty, which can promote lying or abuse, a perceived lack of freedom, chaos, crisis, and drama, scapegoating, denial of problems and also protecting other people from their issues um, and i suppose a key thing is inability to be responsible for our own issues and sometimes an inappropriate sense of responsibility for other people's feelings or needs or well-being and this ends up in helplessness or worthlessness or inadequacy which we either act out um, from a victim point of view, or we, we, as I suppose, get our kicks, or we, we make ourselves feel good by, by flipping into persecutor. And of course, if we have superficial conversations which avoid issues, we're enticed into the drama triangle. The other things that can pull us in are fear of change. We don't like change, but we all know that change is inevitable in life. And if, 
if we've been lucky enough to grow up in, in families and organizations where we're able to express all our emotions in healthy and empowering and responsible ways, then true intimacy can come about. I'm, I'm not meaning physical intimacy, but just a genuine sharing of, of feelings. But not all of us have had that experience either in our families or in our schooling or in the organizations that we've worked for at times. And so there's something about personal growth here and certainly understanding that if we have healthy interactions and relationships, joy, freedom, creativity, and spontaneity in life, then we're fulfilled. If we don't, then we look for attention uh, from elsewhere. We may end up playing one of Eric, Bur Eric Burns' games, but we can certainly get enticed into the drama triangle. And, and these three roles have various characteristics of how they act. Um, but there are two key rules in the dysfunctional systems. And, and the first thing is pretend everything is fine. That is to say, don't be honest, don't be authentic. And the second thing is don't rock the boat, don't threaten the status quo. So is what you're saying that understanding the drivers that make us act in this way and, and some of the things that lie behind it make us able to change that behavior and act in a better way? Is that, is that the relevance to emotional well-being? And I think it really is, Peter. And I think I'd really like to share a little bit about each of the three roles and their characteristics, because if we understand them, then we can see what's going on and then share a little bit about how not to get stuck in them. So a rescuer, um, who can also be called the hero or martyr or the responsible parent, we get to feel safe or worthy by helping others, by enabling others, by bailing them out or by covering up or protecting them. And sometimes we think we know what's best for other people, what's right or what other people should do. And uh, we can easily feel uh, see ourselves as wiser, stronger or more resourceful and, and give, out, give out guidance or, or advice or help. And the danger of that is that we foster dependency or helplessness in others and we disempower them. Um, this comes from an over-responsibility for other people's feelings or needs. And, and we sometimes become a bit proud of the care we're taking and we can feel guilty if we're not caring enough for other people's. And that's because as rescuers, we can tend to deny and sacrifice our own needs. Uh, and we can feel like martyrs and feel unappreciated. And so the challenge for the rescuer is to base our self-esteem on looking after our own needs and issues rather than other people and stop, stop basing it on, on, on getting approval from external and stop justifying taking care of others. Don't protect any anyone from facing uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Um, and also notice how others might use guilt or manipulation to control us and be responsible for ourselves and our own feelings and trust our own guidance. Uh, and, um, don't take sides in a drama. So that's probably one of the easiest roles to recognise, the rescuer. And certainly as a health professional, I would recognise that in myself at times. And I've read that there's nothing wrong with helping other people, but that you, you do, if you're a rescuer, you do it almost habitually. Uh, and you'll, you'll sort of go out of your way to do it, whereas a much better way is to be a helper, where you just respond to, to people and, and help them through that problem and, and then let them go their own way and be responsible for themselves. Is, is that a fair distinction? Absolutely. I, you've got the, the nail on the head. It's, um, it's 
enabling people rather than helping them and disempowering them in that process. Okay. I mean, if, 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 I, if I walk out in the traffic now and happen to get run over by a bus, um, please do enable me and help me in every way that I possibly can, <laughs> um, because I certainly want all the attention that I need. Um, but that's, that's a different story. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that's Rescuer, and I, I think we can both relate to that. We've, I'm sure at times we've, we've slipped into that without meaning to. What about, um, what about Victim? And, and again, I, I would have this caveat that some people aren't playing a victim role. Some people are genuine victims. Absolutely. So this is, this is victim in inverted commas as regards the drama triangle. And the, the, the person who's given away their power and who ends up feeling um, in, in this state is getting to feel safe by being submissive or giving in or becoming dependent or helpless. And of course, from that point of view, we justify ourselves often by blaming other people or blaming circumstances or past decisions for how we feel. And we expect other people to solve our problems uh, for us. Uh, we, we want to be rescued. And, and sometimes we play games in order to keep being rescued because somebody suggests, why don't you do that? And you say, well, I would, but I can't. So, um, um, well, why don't you try this to help yourself? No, 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 I can't do that. Well, why don't you try this to help yourself? Oh, no, I can't do that. So there's, we can get stuck in that state and we can find ourselves in a sort of a passive childlike dependency and find it hard to make decisions for ourselves. And the way to get out of that is to acknowledge our own strengths instead of looking for somebody else to rescue us, to think and problem solve for, for ourselves, to learn to deal with any anger and learn to handle confrontation without giving in, rescuing or persecuting. And, and key is to be authentic stop pretending or manipulating and to take responsibility for our own needs and self-care. And that sounds as though it is probably harder in practice than, than in theory, I, I would think. If, you, if you've been a victim, uh, if you've got used to being in that role, then it, it takes quite a lot of courage, doesn't it, to actually take responsibility for events? It, it certainly does. And my sympathy goes out to everyone in life because we're all in drama triangles at some point or another and the the purpose of life is is not scoring points at other people it's about learning and so it's it, you know if we've been in a drama triangle once or many times it's it's we're not to be blamed for it it's 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 just something that's happened to us in life but the tragedy is if we don't learn anything from it and we just repeat the cycle because everybody in a drama triangle is exhausted so the bit of the drama triangle still to cover is, to me, the most problematic one. And the one where, although you said we're not to blame for being in it, it feels like you are to blame if you're a persecutor. So tell us about that. Thank you. So this is actually the hardest pattern to acknowledge in ourselves. And um, people who do this a lot are actually the least likely of the three types to recognise their own issue or to seek any help for it. And um, what's a persecutor look like? A persecutor gets to feel safe by hurting, criticizing, controlling, or abusing others. Uh, and they often have a false sense of superiority or arrogance, which sometimes collapses into shame or the insecurity of a victim. They want to be in control. They may manipulate, they use unspoken threats, or they ignore or bully others into submission. They're often self-righteous. I say they. 
isn't this awful? I'm stigmatizing them. We are often, when we are in persecutor mold, mode, we are, we are self-righteous, judgmental and blaming. And we see ourselves as needing to be perfect. And we have a very strong need to be in the right and to see others as, as, as in the wrong. And we often get a bit of an adrenaline rush from being angry. And so we need somebody to, to battle against. And uh, we can always justify and defend our abusive or controlling behaviors. And we often feel entitled to have others meet our needs or to behave as however we wish. And if we slip into being a persecutor then, and we recognize it, then we can get out of it by giving up the need to be right and recognizing that everybody's guided from best intention and from their own perspective, everybody's in the right. And the biggest challenge is to be honest with ourselves and to listen to others with an open heart. And something quite difficult for many of us, we sometimes have to sit with vulnerable feelings, such as anger or hurt, instead of just acting out and, and externalizing them. And probably one of the biggest thing is to stop justifying or defending ourselves from being hurtful or critical or controlling or abusive, and let go of any feelings of entitlement. And those are some tips about each of those, those roles. So that's all quite clear. Um, and hopefully we'll say a bit more later about how to, to get out of this and get into a virtuous uh, circle. Could we just say a little bit more about transactional analysis that you cover? Because that is very similar, isn't it, in terms of uh, tending to adopt the role of adult, parent or child. So it feels as though there's a, a, an overlap there. So what, what are the differences? There, there are no differences, really, Peter. I think um, you've identified that the transactional analysis leads very neatly into the drama triangle. And essentially, the drama triangle is just um, parent-child or, or child-parent in the drama triangle um, polarised to a point where there really is a very obvious power imbalance and it's going wrong. And people are really feeling the hurt and the distress and the uncomfort. And we had a, a recent podcast about empathy and, and so on. And it, it, does the role that people slip into tend to be conditioned by the way they've learned to behave as children, by how empathic they are? Do, do people have to be less empathic to be persecutors, for instance? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think that actually, whatever our personality makeup, we can adopt one of those three roles at any time. Um, and we can have little flashes of anger, or we can have um, moments of, of subservience or, or wanting to make it all better. And we can flip in and out of those. Uh, I, I think the whole aspect of sensitivity and empathy is really important. And as you say, we did cover it um, in, a, in a recent um, podcast. One could argue that sensitive people can more easily feel victim or, or want to be rescued, but actually some highly sensitive people actually can't manage the overwhelming feelings that they have. And so they actually act out and, and may, may flip into persecutor role. So uh, uh, there, there may be tendencies, but I think we can actually end up mm. in any role. Okay. So we've established what the drama triangle is. We've established why it's a really bad thing for our emotional well-being and why we should try and get, get out of it. So in the time remaining, tell us how we escape the drama triangle. Well, thank you. So, <coughs> excuse me, Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true, or rather, I think that was Hamlet, was it? Don't know that Hamlet would be a very good role model for getting out of difficult uh, situations. But anyway, carry on. 
no. No. So um, be true to ourselves, be authentic, know ourselves and know, know about ourselves, know our internal drivers. And so that's the first thing. So be authentic and, and know yourself. And the second thing is to use some um, South American uh, wisdom, some Toltec, Toltec native South American wisdom. And there are the five agreements. And uh, number one is be impeccable with your word. And what that means is say what you mean mean what you say don't say anything else don't waste the power of your word in idle gossip or in putting yourself down and use it as a vehicle for the power of your will for good with love and truth so that's that's something that actually most people do in life quite happily and certainly professionals are good at that number two peter um take nothing personally now how easy is that in life practically impossible <laughs> It's really difficult, isn't it? But actually, yeah. quantum physics tells us that we're all part of an interconnected universe, although we're each having our own individual experiences. Um, and how I interpret uh, issues is actually up to me, because actually whatever's happening is not personal. If I do take it personally, it's me that's choosing to suffer. So if we can try and see a, an issue from somebody else's point of view, that's very helpful. Ah, and that feeds back into cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, doesn't it? Where, again, we can choose to interpret the same action in different ways. So that one rings a bell with me. Number two, really difficult. Take nothing personally. Number three, almost as difficult, make no, sorry, make no assumptions. Um, because they say that to assume makes an ass out of you and me. So if we ask that little question, why, often, and try and find clear answers that can dispel that can get rid of misunderstanding and clear communication with others can avoid needless emotions mistakes and us upsets so if we've got past the first three number four is really quite easy always do your best because that's what we're all doing in life we're, we're guided by best intention and uh, uh, but it, it it helps us to be present to stand in our power and to be the best we can be uh, and if we are trying to do our best, then we're expressing ourselves with integrity, especially if we avoid emotional attachment to the results of our efforts. And number five is really interesting. Be sceptical, but learn to listen. Because truth is, truth is not necessarily absolute. It's, it's what I saw. It's what I think I saw. What I, I remember I think I saw. And that's my heart part of the story. And then there's the other person's part of the story. So... We understand when we learn to listen deeply that truth is a much deeper thing than, than personal individual experience. And so a, quite a useful question for people to ask is, what's going on behind what's going on? What's going on behind what's going on? Or that sort of Columbo approach. Just one last question, please. <laughs> Just help me understand why. So there we are, the drama triangle and the five agreements, which are part of the stuff of life and it's part of the richness of human experience uh, but not when we're trapped in it and blind to it uh, well i hope that knowing about it uh has allowed some people to recognize it and given them some ways out of it so thank you very much indeed andrew thanks very much peter you've been listening to the somerset emotional well-being podcast hosted by dr andrew Trisider and dr peter bagshaw the show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.